Nine weeks ago, Kevin and Jen drove themselves to an 11th place finish in Panama. Jessica and Francesca sold their swole for a 10th place finish in Brazil. Seth and Olive were U-turned into 9th place finish in Zanzibar. Shamir and Sarah didn't have the balls to get above 8th place in Dar es Salaam. Vank and Ashton were bullied out of the race in Lake Como. Liz and Michael were sewer arrested out in Athens. Becker and Floyd succumbed to a 5th place finish in Ninbin. And Matt and Redmond had a game over in Seoul. Welcome to the final Amazing Race 29 recap episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me for the final time this season is the lady whose relationships are all akin to family dinners at Thanksgiving, but with less brawling and more hatred, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Ha! We don't have Thanksgiving. I'm in Australia! I know, but that's a great reference that you'll understand by the end of this podcast, Michelle. That's all I'll say. <laughs> And after nine countries and over 36,000 miles, we have our winners, and I suspect I know the answer to this question, but it's Brooke and Scott. Are you happy? I was happy. I said I wouldn't mind if they won or if Tara and Joey won, so Tara. I wouldn't mind. But to be perfectly honest, given the reaction on social media in the past few days, I'm slightly ecstatic. Well, it's sort of putting it back at everyone else, and seriously... I am still getting so many comments on the posts that I put up that, and and you know what, I can't stop talking back to these people who are being ridiculous that I'm just creating the problem as well. I woke up to 18 notifications this morning, all of which are Amazing Race themed. I had 21, there you go. Oh, this isn't top trumps, Michelle. <laughs> so yeah, the team who literally everyone on the internet wanted to win, oh, everyone it important on the internet aka me did win yay yay brook and scott you get a win you get a win everybody gets wins <laughs> <laughs> and this year is already setting itself up to be one of the best for reality tv winners ever given that we had leon hillmar this year as well exactly even though that was also filmed last summer yeah and this week is the anniversary of them going on the run i believe yes i saw that on the um what was it on his Twitter? I yeah, think it, was it was on Lee's Twitter because he had to take some headshots this time last year, he said. Mm, and it was also, this was the week that Survivor first began. It was. And was it this week also that Survivor Australia started recording? Maybe it was last week. No, I mean, I mean last season's one. You would know better than I would, Michelle, given that, you know, you're on this season. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm there right now. I'm in the final three. <laughs> that does explain why you took so goddamn long to get on Skype. I seem to have been hacked by someone called Riffle. So I'm sorry, all my contact lists, because I think you all got something very strange last week. Yes, yes, we did. Hmm, not me. Thanks, Michelle. Okay. I, I'm not going to click on any links to Baidu, I'm afraid. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> So yeah, we have a a deliriously glorious win. One of the best winners, winning teams ever. Spoilers for my rankings when we talk about that at the end of the podcast. One of my favourite winning teams ever. <laughs> I would never have thought they would have won. I got legitimate goosebumps when they checked in. Even though I knew the rumours of them winning, I was still like, this is actually possible. You know what... The um, Amazing Race page put out photos of all three teams running to the final pit stop. And those photos gave it away. 
I think they did as well because Brooke and Scott looked so like perplexed when in well, that Brooke's picture. Face. She was like, face "Oh my god, we've won!" Yeah. Why did they put those photos up? Well, they always put those press pictures up, but like Lolo looked like, "Oh, our friends have won at least," and Tara Ooh. and Joey were like, "God damn it!" But it's strange that they just didn't put a normal smiling face of Brooke because right after that she started smiling again. It's just it's just weird that they chose that second, you know. But never forget it, Michelle. They are the worst team ever to win the Amazing Grace. Oh, they're apparently. just they're just terrible people. And apparently they don't deserve it. And they all cheated the entire race. Hey casual fans, listen to the rest of this podcast which I'm going to lovingly subtitle A Thesis on Why Amazing Race Deserves Brooke and Scott as Winners. Ah, so many reasons. Maybe, you know what we should do? We should go through the race, finish, and then because we're just going to launch in so many different ways. So let's go through the race. Let's do the 10 minutes of recapping this episode and then <laughs> yeah. the three hours of, uh, of discussing why Brooke and Scott are awesome. Okay. So previously, 22 strangers were paired up at the start line to race around the world. One by one, Kevin and Jen, Jesse and Francesca, Seth and Olive, Shamir and Sarah, Van and Ashton, Liz and Michael, Becca and Floyd and Matt and Redmond all fell, leaving us with the final three of Tara and Joey, Brooke and Scott and London and Logan. Brooke and Scott started out like a marriage made in heaven, but the honeymoon was shortly over. Scott had to overcome his fear of heights, while Brooke had to overcome, in Phil's most sassy moment of the entire season, literally everything. But, thanks to an assist from most of the teams and a cutthroat use of the final U-turn of the season, they set themselves up for success and won the first leg in Seoul. Tara took a gamble on the guy who couldn't identify the Panamanian flag, but after three leg wins, the oldest and most consistent team left standing are the biggest threats. London and Logan were really there. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. But, the biggest complaint I have about this finale is the fact that we did not get an intro and we did not get start times. You were doing so well, guys. So well. <laughs> you nearly had the first full house on both start times and intros in years. But then you fell at the final hurdle. I suppose they didn't need the start times because they all went on one flight anyway. Oh, no, they did. I wanted to see how far ahead Brook and Scott were. Uh, because apparently it was about 20 minutes. Mm, apparently it was nowhere so. near as close as it appeared last week. Because basically the taxis decided and Brooke and Scott got a really good taxi driver. That's always a good thing. And they are all told at the last pit stop that they're going to Chicago and that they're flying premium economy. What is that? What what kind of... What, what airline are they on? It was Korean Air. But their premium economy looks like business class in every other airline to me. Yeah, so it's just business. Yeah, they were flying business class basically. Because they actually had sit-down beds. Because premium economy is basically economy with wider seats. Right. See, we don't have premium economy. We have economy, business first. You have bloody premium. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, dear. And even Brooke has come around to the idea of Brooke and Scott actually winning the race. I know. She was like, even, even in the cab the whole time, she didn't think they'd have a chance. There's a great secret scene. We're going to get into secret scenes because all of the Brooke and Scott ones are amazing this week. Well, a lot of them I can't. I don't have the the ability for my computer to get through all the blocks. Neither do and I. And so I can't look at them. I just have a proxy, Michelle. <laughs> well, I don't know how to do that. 
Oh, God. When can you come to Australia? You need to come to Australia and fix my damn computer so I can get past any block in the entire world. We'll have to teach Grandma how to use the internet after the podcast. (laughs) It's so funny. There's, There's a couple of ladies at my work who literally, they sit in front of the computer and they have no idea. They can't. They can't even go to Google or I don't know. I don't know how they do anything. They, they must think it's like this weird and wonderful world that they just can't access. But yeah, there is a fantastic secret scene from Brooke and Scott of them in the cab on the way to the pit stop. It's basically an extended version of what we saw in the episode of them saying, we actually might win this. But Brooke yeah. starts crying and she's like, Scott, you never said we could do this. But we can do this. Oh, it's so sweet. Oh my god. And yeah, teams must now fly to their final destination city of Chicago and find Chicagoland Speedway and search for the next clue. Caution, pit stop ahead. Because Phil loved a pun. (laughs) In the first homage to an international amazing grace, Phil channeled Alan Wu and just gave us a pun. Mm -hmm. Trying to get that tyre off and those nuts off so fast. I'm, I'm amazed. That they did that. Yeah, the thing is that I would not be doing that bit. I'd be doing the very quick driving because I love driving fast. Same. I have got told off so many times on driving lessons for driving a bit too quick. I get people who I drive around in my car who are very afraid whenever I do a U-turn quite speedily and then I may go up a street backwards quite speedily. Just need to get things done, you know? <laughs> In your car, I think you'll find it's the bloody Pierce Deno van. Deno van. <laughs> All credit to my brother for that joke. Oh, funny. I did uh, suggest it to Michelle on uh, on chat a few weeks ago, but all credit to my brother because he did suggest that one to me. Mm. Oh, really? So he knows me? Oh, yeah. He knows she was podcast mum. Podcast mum? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, Compared to the insulting nicknames that he has for Ben, it's a compliment, Michelle. All right, I'll take it then. And in, I'm going to steal Justin's uh, Justin's award here. In the super fan move of the episode, Brooke and Scott check their bags in. I know. How good is that? You know what I thought? I thought stuff all you casual fans who think they're a stupid team and they just get help from a lot of different people. Like seriously, what a good move! The only team who did it as well. But it's not even that. It's the fact that. That is not just a super fan move. That is people reading the rules and using them to their advantage. Mm. But what, I mean, I don't think you can do that here. What just, he said check them in to, it was like check them into something else. Yeah, well, they were all on the same flight. So they would, he yeah. checked, they checked them into the, the baggage and then they would yeah. have just got put in left luggage at, at O'Hare that they could pick up the next day. It just felt like it was something different from just check baggage. But um, I didn't know if there was different things in America. But yeah, I've seen a lot of complaints that this is 100% cheating and they should have been penalised for that. And that's purely because you don't don't like Brooke and Scott. If it was cheating, they would have got penalised. That is the golden rule of Amazing Race. If you break the rules, you get a penalty at the pit stop. Nothing else. The Amazing Race especially has very black and white rules. There are stuff... There's stuff you can do, there's stuff you cannot do. Brooke and Scott did not break a rule, therefore they didn't get penalised. Now shut the fuck up. Well, other people have done that. Exactly. 
practically everyone in the final threes in uh, early seasons did this. People haven't done it for a while because they haven't thought to do it for a while. Oh, for God's sake. There's a woman on, I don't know where I'm arguing with this woman, but she says they've cheated. And I said, I want some instances of cheating. And other people have asked her. And then she's not said anything. These people, they just say, oh, they're cheating and then can't even give an instance of the cheating. Exactly. Back this sort of stuff up. Because this podcast especially will call you out on your bullshit and we will call anyone out on their bullshit. That's what we're here for. That is my primary mission in life. It just perplexes me that people on the internet take such a dislike to people like Brooke. Because I said this to both Brooke and Scott this week. I was reading through my preview notes and there was three notes in a row for Brooke that were fantastic, that were just hilarious. Because I was so on the nose. First of the three notes, she seemed like a super fan. Then, she hopes she gets a partner who's as big a fan as her. She doesn't want someone who can't work as part of a team or isn't supporting. That's literally what she got with Scott. And the third and final note, I think she's going to be high maintenance. <laughs> Definitely. I changed it in the in the actual podcast to a lovable hot mess. Because that's slightly less harsh than saying high maintenance. But I was so on the nose with that. And for Scott, I pointed out that he didn't want a partner who who would say the words, I can't. Oh my god, it's like the total opposite. I've, I've had it confirmed that they can edit the bios up until when they go online. So I'm not sure if Scott put that in just because it would have been a hilarious thing and a sort of wink, yes. wink, nudge, nudge. He could have. And in the taxi on the way to the speedway, Joey says to the taxi driver that he wants to go so fast that his hair will blow off. But his hair won't look alright anymore. No. How could Joey sacrifice his hair for winning the million dollars? And once teams get to the speedway, it's the first active route info of the leg. Which is, one team member must change a tyre in under 40 seconds in order to allow their partner to attempt to drive a lap around the course in under 48 seconds. And once they complete both tasks, they receive their next clue. And it's broken to get a rain win first, with Tara and Joey in second and London and Logan in third. Yes, it's sort of going to go that way the whole time. Yeah, pretty much. There's only one placement change after this, and, you know, that's Tara and Joey leaving the the riddle challenge in third. But I'm not really here to talk that much about the task. I'm going to defend the final memory challenge fairly soon. Continuing the theme of the season, this was a great way for them to share the culture of Chicago, of NASCAR, of the landmarks, of the Cubs stadium. Which, as we've previously documented on this podcast, I'm not a baseball fan at all. But it's a great way to sort of show off the culture of Chicago. It is, isn't it? I really liked how it... God, I wanted to eat a hot dog. Kept seeing those hot dogs. Didn't even see the hot dogs. We just saw the paper the hot dogs were in. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm right there with you, Logan. Wanting to eat a hot dog. <laughs> but yeah, the the whole cultural parts of this like were solely to continue the mission that production has set out of actually putting effort in again of making the american legs stand out as much as the international legs have this season which is fantastic and like i'm going to be gushing about this season at the end of this podcast spoilers it's very high up on my rankings but it it's just so wonderful to see production actually give a damn again yeah i think they i think they did really well 
in, on this season, you know, really tasked the countries, the actual teams, which they didn't even make themselves, but, but everyone seemed to gel so well with each other. And I just thought it, it went really well for a season that everyone thought that might be a bit sketchy. Well, I've I've been a long proponent of the um, the idea of having all strangers because I think it'd be hilarious and what do you know it was hilarious. So not everyone. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I'd like to drive around the track more than try and get those nuts off fast and then put them back on and then get back to the side. I just know that I'd go and try and put that, whatever that machine is, try and put them back in and I'd be trying to go too fast. And it just wouldn't work. Yeah, um, we got our traditional moments of Brooke getting frazzled during the episode. But Scott just reassured her, said, remember the ladle, you can get through this. I I don't even think Tara and Joey were basically there when uh, Brooke and Scott were. Oh my god, so many people have put stuff about that damn ladle on everywhere. Every page. Who? Someone actually put up the ladle, but it was the wrong ladle. On a Time magazine cover. Did you see that? <laughs> that was good. But yeah, every single winning team has had help from someone. That's the thing. You cannot ever forget that Amazing Grace, just like Hunted, just like Survivor, just like Big Brother, to quote King of Hunted US, Lee Wilson, it is purely a social game. Because your relationships with people will stop everyone screwing you over. As he said to us on this very podcast. Exactly. Never ever forget that Amazing Race is a social game. And actually, I hate the U-turns with a passion. But it's the capitalisation of it being a social game. That's why Hammerox and Philippines and Australia and every other version have had the must-vote U-turns. Because it is a social game first and foremost. You can be the strongest, you can be the quickest, but if you don't have the relationships with people and you fall behind, they're not going to help you with tasks, they're going to U-turn you. But that's how it works now. Yeah, so many people don't like anyone helping anybody. It's annoying because if someone's not doing anything, you want to help them. If they can't do it, I think it's just human nature. And even being competitive, I think it sort of cuts through that anyway. Yeah. As Brooke said herself, the money was an additional benefit. She was there for the experience, for the crossing something off her list of 30 things to do before she dies. Spoilers for one of the secret scenes. She was there to be a part of the Amazing Race, to make friends for life, to travel the world, even if it was with a stranger. So it's natural for people to to want to help each other, because that is human nature. Mm. And if some... Arsehole cat ladies on the internet want to disagree with me, feel free, I will argue with you. <laughs> For some reason, people have just gone crazy after this finale. This, this is worse than the vitriol for the green team. This is worse than the vitriol for Dana last year. Like, I looked at the official Facebook page yesterday, and there were about 300 comments, and not a single one was about anything other than hatred of Brooke. So sad. It's like, find something better to do with your time, he says while eating a chicken Kiev on a podcast that is now on 199 episodes. <laughs> oh dear. So number 200 will be hunted. 
Unless unless you do Australian Survivor. Number me. 200 will be something. We will get to that because I want people to suggest an idea for a special podcast, by the way. But as it stands, Hunted may be the 200th podcast. I don't think it will be because I think we'll do something over the summer. Maybe we can do a podcast about us. We can interview each other. <laughs> yeah, because the Logan in LA podcast last year went so well. Oh, God. Sorry, you can't tell this story. Sorry, you can't tell that story. <laughs> Love you, Logan. Miss you. <laughs> oh, God, I wish I could have gone there. I know. How fun would that party be? I also love the fact that Redmond actually did what I asked him to. That would have been gold. In case anyone doesn't know, Logan isn't joining us today because he was in LA for the finale party. Met all the racers, got pictures with the bank and, and Scott and everyone. Scott did the the intro pose with him, which I'm so jealous of. And when I meet them next month, I so want to recreate. But Redmond let him hold his leg. But I also tipped Brooke and Scott and Redmond off and said, See this how I can't be there. Could you do me a favour and make it so awkward for Logan occasionally? And Redmond's first reaction was, what? Hug him all the time. I'm like, yes, do that immediately. And then on our group chat for Reality TV Warriors, we all got a message from Logan overnight saying, it's really weird, Redmond kept hugging me for some reason. (laughs) I'm like, Red, you beauty, I love you so much for doing that, because that is so Redmond, and that is also hilarious. It's like Redmond just came up and randomly started hugging me. I'm like, oh, you beauty. (laughs) That's fun. That would have been fun. The photos are really good. All right, so we've left the race, the uh, racetrack. Yeah, Brooke is the the first person to complete the tyre change. And then Scott gets a 58 second lap. Tyra gets a 66 one. Scott gets 49. Tyra gets 49. And then Brooke and Scott are the first to leave with a time of 45 seconds. I wonder how much time there was between them and Tyra and Joey finishing. Well, only one racer was allowed on the track at at the same time. So probably about 10, 15 minutes at that point. Okay. So that really set the whole race. Yeah. And then Tara and Joey, actually, they couldn't find one of the three postcards, could they? No, they went to um, the Chicago Temple instead. And one more thing I will pull production up on. You do not have to hashtag everything. Victory Lane did not need hashtagging. Yes, I know it was the title, but still. You don't need to hashtag everything. Hmm. They do do it too much. You tell them, Michael. Oh, I do. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So one's teams get to Victory Lane, they have to find the Monroe Street Station and search for their next clue in the hands of a workman. This, you know what, this next section reminds me so much of my races around Sydney, because it's basically going from one side of the city to the other, trying to find places in a clue that you don't have a specific place for. You have to figure out what the clue is, then go there, and then you have to work that out and then go somewhere else, and it's, it was just like, my life. And you can go off to the wrong place. Because the, the one I did, the race I did last year, I went to a totally wrong place like Tara and Joey did. And after I left there, I thought, why the hell did I even think of that? It is easy. Mind you, it didn't look like they Googled that exact amount of feet that they were given. And that's one thing I would have done. Well, yeah, you, you don't go anywhere unless you're 100% confident. That's the kicker. You find someone's phone like Brooke and Scott did, and you Google the living shit out of it and double check. Yeah. And once teams find the workmen, they have to solve three riddles, leading them to three different landmarks around Chicago, the Chicago Water Tower, Buckingham Fountain, and Wabash Avenue Bridge. At each location, they'll be given a postcard, 
which will spell out their next location, which is the City Hall route up. If they can find it, they can exchange the postcards with a beekeeper for their next clue. And I'm revoking Scott's superfan card when he says, oh my god, that's where they went in season 9. Any superfan will know, Scott, that Denver was both the start and finish lines. In fact, the Red Rocks Amphitheatre was both the start and finish lines of Amazing Race 9. The season you're thinking of is 6. He just got the number upside down, didn't he? He did, but Scott, for for claiming you're such a super fan, you let me down and you let yourself down. And I'm rescinding all my happiness from your win. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know what? I classify myself as a super fan, but I don't remember all the nitty gritties. Does that mean I'm not a super fan? Yes. Bugger, what am I? A, uh, what do you call it? A mezzanine. <laughs> on his podcast this week as well, Scott uh, talks about how some Sados have like spreadsheets of all the averages of teams. Yeah, is he talking about you? He just didn't mention your name? To which I sent him a message saying, fully admit that I have no life. <laughs> so does that mean he has a spreadsheet? I'm not sure, but he, he said some people have no life who have like spreadsheets of all these things. I'm like, I have spreadsheets of all these things and yeah, I have no life. I'm the guy who's who's excited to go do the Crystal Maze experience on Friday. <laughs> so yeah, Tara and Joey run between the locations and Brooke and Scott get the subway because they're strategic enough to notice the subway stations that are near all three of them. Did he at any time live there? Not he that I... know a bit about the city. No, but I think they were doing quite extensive Googling because they knew they mm. had quite a bit of a lead on Tara and Joey. They could afford to Google it a bit more. Yeah. And also, I think that's what production aimed for. That's the thing. They gave them the subway tickets to go find the workmen. I think they were probably intending on the subway being used to get to all three locations. Mm. It's good they gave them the tickets instead of them having to, you know, give them money. I mean, it's easier that way, isn't it? But of course, Tara and Joey are marathon and ultramarathon runners, respectively, so they're going to choose to run where possible. Oh, I hate running. As do I. Oh, look, I like running. I like a sprint, but I hate just, like, running, running. When she was running, um, Brooke, and she was whinging, which is totally natural because I, I sort of whinge internally when I have to run anywhere, these things. I'm like, oh, I don't know how she keeps running. She's doing really well. It's so hard. This episode was just a showcase of how awesome Brooke and Scott are, though. Between Brooke saying, I don't want to feel like an invalid. I'm not going to climb on your back. To her just getting frazzled with the tyres. To Scott just reassuring the living hell out of her. I would have climbed on his back. Yeah, to a bit of shade from Phil at the start. When Scott had to come overcome his fear of heights. And Brooke had to overcome everything. Oh no, how good was that? It's like, like, you bitch, Phil Cogan. That was a good line. <laughs> but, I, I don't understand why she didn't climb on his back. I would have been, oh yeah boy, yeah, I'm climbing on your back. Yeah, Michelle would have jumped on Scott's back so fast. So fast. Like, he would have said, get on, and I'd have been on before he finished the N of the on. <laughs> and um, there's also a nice shout-out to Chicago's favourite sons, the creators of Cards Against Humanity. No way, really? Yeah, did you not notice the sign when... I think it was when Brooke and Scott were going into one of the towers, there was a Cards Against Humanity advert. Really? Funny game. And Scott does have to remind Brooke that they are racing for a million dollars. Do you want to win a million dollars? Do you want to win a million dollars? 
I can see that scene too while she's, she's running after him. And Tara and Joey do go to the wrong place. Oh dear, that's not good. I always feel sad about if teams do something wrong in the last leg because it's basically a million dollar wrong move. And this was also the longest race for some time. I think it was 23 days this time. Really? Yeah, it's the, the first one in about 10 seasons that hasn't been 21 days. I wonder why. Well, there was an extended pit stop after Vietnam 2, definitely. It was a 36-hour pit stop for that one. Yeah, long one. And there was a lot of long travel. Mm. There's quite a few 24-hour flights this time, I think. 36-hour pit stop's a good rest, isn't it? Well, yeah, they had to kind of give them a 36-hour one to allow them to, you know, not die. <laughs> Given that after Vietnam 1, Joey collapsed. During Vietnam 2, Floyd collapsed. Joey was a bit ropey during Vietnam 2 as well, apparently. It's like, yeah, we're actually, for safety concerns, going to have to give these guys a 36-hour pit stop. Do you think that was made on the spur of the moment? No, I think they knew full well what they were getting into. Yeah. And then had it planned and then, you know, it still did it. Yeah. Well, they had to climb a bloody mountain at the end. <laughs> that was really mean. And did I read that two of the teams actually ran up the mountain? Yeah. How is that even possible? The best thing is there was only one way up and one way down. So Matt and Redmond actually had to hide around a corner when Brooke and Scott checked in because they literally would have had to come down the same stairs and... It would have spoiled the impression on the camera, apparently. So did they all stay up there? Uh, well, I think after Brooke and Scott and Matt and Red checked in, they went down together, I think. Okay. There was enough time before the, the team came. And Teams was now head to Wrigleyville Dogs and find their next clue. This was easy. It was harder than it was shown on television because they did actually have to make the, the dogs as well. Oh, why didn't they show any of that? Just at least one team. Yeah, same reason they cut the, the intro, I'm assuming. It was time concerns. Yeah, but I thought, why is it so easy? All they have to do is put the wrapped hot dogs in there. No, they had to actually make them. They should have shown at least one team making them. Apparently there's a, a particular order for the toppings and everything that they had to do. Ah, there's a lot of stuff on American hot dogs. I'm not a big fan of hot dogs. I like hot dogs just with sauce, nothing else. And tomato sauce, I mean. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of hot dogs. Really? Yeah. I love them. I'm, I'm more of a burger guy. You see, once you know what's been in a hot dog, it's sort of like you don't, you shouldn't want to eat it ever again. But Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's like working at McDonald's. Seriously, I still feel like a hot dog now. Even now, because of today. Or last night. When did I watch this? Or some last night, some today. Yeah. So yeah, teams will now make and deliver 10 hot dogs to one of the stands at Wrigley Field. Once they deliver all ten, Amazing Race 19 winners and Chicago residents Ernie and Cindy will give them a pair of tickets to enter the stadium via the marquee entrance. Question. Why the hell are there seats on top of an apartment building? What is that about? Probably because the Chicago Cubs paid the apartment building owners a lot of money to put additional seating there. I don't understand. You've got a stadium. You put the seating in the stadium. Yeah, it's additional capacity, though, isn't it? But how bizarre. It's a great way to expand without it costing an absolute fortune to buy out and demolish all the houses around. I have never seen anything so ridiculous in my life. How can you have cheering people on the top of an apartment block? I don't know, Michelle. 
Don't you find it bizarre? It is weird, but, you know, it, it's America. What do you expect? To be fair, it's Chicago, so it was probably done in, uh, under corrupt conditions anyway. Do they send people up there to sell them, like, drinks and popcorn and hot dogs? Or do they just leave them out in the cold? They're just this random block. I'm assuming there's vendors there as well. And do the people walk up through the apartment block to get up there? Or is there a separate staircase on the side of the building? Or do you have random people just walking through your apartment block? It's not very secure. Well, I think it was... It looked like it was an outside staircase. I need more information. It's troubling me. I need someone from America to talk to me about this. Someone from America, please contact Michelle. Thank you. Next. (laughs) And I loved how Tara and Joey seemingly refused to wear the hats as well. They kept their Amazing Race baseball caps on. Yes. Which, by the way, production, if you're listening, I desperately want one of those baseball caps. You can buy them on the CBS website. Yeah, I'm not buying anything, Michelle. I need someone to tell me how to order off that website because one minute it says I can order to Australia and then next minute it says I can't. I just want some stuff. We need to use our considerable influence to uh, to get some freebies off production, Michelle. That's how it works. We don't know anyone in production. Not for this season. <laughs> you know someone from production from another season? We have been in contact with people from other seasons, yes. Then get us some free stuff. I wish we could, Michelle. And I have actually just had a look on the CBS store and that baseball cap is not available. <gasps> it was. And the bum bag I wanted for ages and then I couldn't get it sent here. It, it was out of stock, the black one. And now there's some red one that's just awful. I hate red. And I want the black one back. I want the black bum bag, which they call a fanny pack for some unknown reason. And then the hat. And I wouldn't mind the mat and the phone case and what else? <laughs> Basically, just send the entire contents of the Amazing Race store to Michelle, please. Sydney, Australia, please. Thank you very much. I'll give you her address if you need it. So, once teams have delivered the dogs, they do have to enter via the marquee entrance and they will find their final memory challenge. So, in this final challenge, one team must head to the press box while the other enters the hand-operated scoreboard. On the scoreboard is the 11 cities that they checked into. The person in the press box must recall where they checked in in each of those cities and relate it to their partner via one-way radio. Once they have all of them correct and checked, they can head to the pitcher's mound to solve an equation to find the stand in which their final clue is hiding. I wouldn't remember all those numbers. Well, it depends if you're Lo- London and Logan, where it's like fifth, 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 fifth. Or Tara and Joey, where there was a lot of first firsts. And I have it on good authority that Brooke and Scott, as soon as they opened that clue, listed all of the placements between them anyway. What do you mean? They said it? out? But yeah, as, as soon as they ripped open, open the clue and saw it was about placements, Brooke was reeled off the numbers in order, apparently. Wow. But here's my first argument of the finale. This challenge was not about memory. This was testing the one thing that this season set out to test above everything else. Communication. Mm. This season was all about whether the person in the press box could stay calm enough to relay the correct numbers to their partner and whether their partner would trust them to be right, listen to their instructions and get everything right in one go. What if you didn't want to listen to them? What if you knew you were third instead of fourth? I wonder if you could put it up of your own volition. I think you could, 
But also, you have to bear in mind, the person in the scoreboard couldn't see the cities. Unless they knew them in alphabetical order as it was, they couldn't see the cities. No, they could. They had the binoculars. No, the person in, in the scoreboard. The person putting the numbers up. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you have to remember that. Mind you, she was sort of talking her way through that as she was going along. Yeah. I don't think that Scott would have put up a number that he thought was wrong. Put it that way. Yeah. It's very interesting old scoring, isn't it? It is, because apparently Fenway Park in Boston has one of these as well, but it's actually on ground level, so it keeps getting hit by baseballs. <laughs> I can imagine it would be pretty hot in summer. Well, yeah, it's like there. a giant metal coffin, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. My God, it would be hot. And why, one other thing, they, they had to keep running down for the numbers, but some of the boards that were facing out towards um, the people who were giving the numbers, they had numbers on them. I'm just wondering why they didn't flip around the blank and put the three there. Like I'm wondering why they had to keep running down for another one if they already had the number there. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I think the the blanks were all tens. Oh, okay. Or the blanks had tens on the back. And also it would have been in the rules that they had to run down and grab the number and then run back up. Is my understanding of it, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Brooke kind of appreciates Scott not being able to talk back to her. <laughs> she was very um, calm and collected. She was, because she knew... Have you seen the CBS News interview with them yet? No. I think I, the link came up as I was trying to get onto you earlier. Yeah, it's on the, on the Amazing Race fans' Facebook page. They were interviewed by a journalist who just so happens to be Scott's sister-in-law. Oh. And Brooke said in this interview... We knew that if we made it to the final memory challenge in first, that we would win because we knew it and we were calm with it and we knew everything that it could possibly be. So they just didn't let it stress them out, basically. They must have done studying every night then. I think they were studying in the cabs, actually. I think someone caught them studying in the cabs. Really? Wow. You would. You'd study all the time for that final challenge. Well, yeah, especially if you knew that your strengths weren't the physical, they were like the mental and everything. Mm. And at the the hot dog task, there's loads of talk about wieners. Lol. <laughs> and then, as is fitting for this season, Joey gets booed when he shouts out the Red Sox. So he should. But I'm glad he did it. It provided some bit of fun. I have a story on that topic. <laughs> yeah. You know how I went to Boston four years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, I bought a Red Sox hat, deliberately in the same colours as Boston Rob. Because there's loads of different colour schemes you can have for the Red Sox hats. And mm-hmm. I was wearing this on the train from Boston. Completely forgot I was wearing this hat on the train from Boston to New York. And we were heading through a subway station. I still had the hat on. And I got heckled by the guy, like the ticket guard. He actually shouted across the the station, the Red Sox suck. My god. They get so involved over there. They really do. It was hilarious because it was mortifying. Oh well, you chose to wear it. True, I completely forgot I had it on though, that's the thing. I had two hats with me, I had the Red Sox hat which I bought in Boston and I had the Survivor Guatemala hat with me, which was the one I wore for the rest of New York. (laughs) And Brooke and Scott are the first to get approved and they get personalised programmes with the equation, but the equation is something that Michelle's students could do with their eyes closed. So, teams was now find Milton Lee Olive Park, the finish line for the Amazing Race 29. The first team to check in here wins $1 million and the Amazing Race. This is it. Go, go, go. Woo-hoo. 
I love that line. This is it. Go, go, go. We didn't get to see the clue this time because I like seeing that line. This is it. Go, go, go. And Tara and Joey also get an approval. But in the cab, Brooke finally realises that they're going to win. She breaks down, like I said, about the secret scene earlier. And rounding the corner to elevate the season even higher, Brooke and Scott checking in first. (laughs) And the one downside of this is that Logan is going to be super smug whenever he podcasts with me next. Because I did say to him that I didn't think Brooke and Scott could win because they wouldn't give a winner a negative edit two seasons on the trot. Well, you know what? We didn't also think that London... Logan would get to the final three because their edit was just non-existent and even the finale, they were pretty much non-existent. Yeah, I I will happily eat eat a slice of humble pie and say that I was wrong about Brooke and Scott winning and I'm so happy that they did. I was rooting for them too, I just didn't think they could. Why did you just say rooting for them? Because I'm on a podcast with an Australian and it really annoys you when I say the word rooting for. (laughs) You're English! Stop turning American. Fine. I was pulling for them. (laughs) It sounds just as bad. (laughs) That's the point, Michelle. I was going for them. I do say, old chum, I was was, uh, supporting them. There we go. Uh, It was funny that they had to actually run around a corner because they haven't really had to do that before. They sort of run quite a long length straight. Yeah, I don't think they told them where in the park they were hiding either just to make things fun. And Tara and Joey do check in in second, with London and Logan in third. Yes, no one likes it at all. Nope, it's the worst ending ever, worst season ever. Oh, I, I cannot believe that they they just committed such a heinous crime. I'm not going to watch it ever again because of this. And you can imagine the sheer amount of eye-rolling. Oh, uh, people would have been saying at the screen, No! No! And I was saying uh, at the screen, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you get a leg win. You get a leg win. Everybody gets leg wins. <laughs> I just can't believe it. I cannot explain how happy I am that Rook and Scott are now in the pantheon of winners. Amazing. Because for all the hate that Brooke has got on social media and outside of social media, because bitches be grey grey, there is one thing that will have kept Brooke going, and that is the fact that they faced off against ten other teams of strangers, and there was only one team who won that final leg. There was only one team who managed to have the correct mix of brains, brawn, and strategy to get themselves to the finish line in first place, and probably by quite a considerable margin as well, and that was Brooke and Scott. Yes, but apparently they're undeserving. This is the classic reality TV argument, but the correct person wins each season. You might not be happy about it, but they outwitted, outlasted, and outplayed ten other teams. And they won. And you can't take away that they won just because you don't like a team. They won. They got there first. And also, completely and utterly noble, annoyingly noble usage for the money Scott's going to pay off his student loans. Brooke's going to buy an apartment. I'll put a down payment on an apartment. They're treating their parents. I think Brooke's paying for her brother's honeymoon because he's just got married. Oh, that's nice. It's just like, guys, don't make me love you even more by just having noble intentions. (laughs) Say you're going to waste it all on booze and hookers. (laughs) No, it's nice. It's nice. Tara and Joey, how much did they get? I can't remember. 
50k, I think, second gets. Each or 25 each? No, 25 each. Yeah. That's okay. Something. But it's very rare for me to say that my favourite team of the season won the season. With Amazing Race, I have a terrible track record of rooting for the ultimate winners. And sometimes when I have a team who wins, like, I have two teams that I really like, and, like, one of them gets there. But with, like, the green team, it was a travesty. They didn't win. They needed to win. Do you think it'll be All-Stars next season? I don't think so. Do you think they would do that idea of having one past team member teamed up with another one from another team? You mean All-Star Strangers, which Logan and I talked about a lot on last week's podcast. Oh, I haven't listened to your podcast because I've been <gasps> sick. I've been sick. Uh, that's been... no excuse. You've been, if you've been in bed, you've had loads of time to listen. I haven't. I've been working while sick. This is my life. Aren't you an angel, Michelle? Oh, the sick angel then. <laughs> yeah, well, um, do you think they do it? I think that would be the only way they would do All-Stars. But I also do not want them to do it. But that would kill two birds with one stone. You'd get a lot of All-Stars in there, but you'd also get these dynamics that would be totally different. The only way I think they could successfully do it is if they bring back people from old seasons as well. They wouldn't be able to have more than one person from each season coming back because then obviously they would team up because they know each other. It would genuinely have to be strangers for all-star strangers to work. Mm. So people from the first ten seasons maybe teamed up with people from, oh my God, how good would Boston Rob be? And Justin. I would say oh my God, one person from each of the seasons coming back that isn't an all-star. Because that would bring us down to, what, 26 people? Yeah. So they, w- they would only have to cut out four seasons there to yeah, make it... too many teams. One person from each season. Oh my god, can we send an email? How cool would that be? You've got more of the ear of Bertram than I have, Michelle. I haven't talked to Bertram. Logan has. I've only talked to my head of production here. And they're not even doing it anymore. Friggin' Saunders speaking to Bertram last year. I want to talk to Bertram. Release. Did you see that Shamir um, apparently distracted Logan when they were taking your pictures together by shouting balls? Yes. And if you look at the photo, Logan's eyebrows are a little bit raised, like he must have got caught <laughs> with half in an expression. So, shall we talk about the season as a whole then? Yeah, we could. I like the season because they did different challenges that were... Interesting, and not just, you know, boring run-of-the-mill things that they've done a few times in the past. Yeah, a friend of the podcast and doubling quiz loser with me and Logan, Mark Doyle, did say, where would this season fall in the overall ratings of the American ones? Top, middle, or bottom? Um, I'd like top, top third, yeah. Top, middle, bottom, if we're talking in thirds, yeah. I was thinking of this last night when trying to work work through my answer to this question. I think that this is the single best season that we have covered on this podcast of the 12. Really? Yeah. I'm putting it out there. I think it is the best season that we have covered as reality TV wars. Ooh, cool. Arguably, the 23 and 24 were ropey as all hell, but 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, Asia 5, Canada 2, 3, 4, Australia 3. I think this is the best one that we've covered. And I would go 
so far as to say I think it's probably in my top five. I've not done an official ranking of all the seasons, but I, I think I would put it in my upper pantheon. I think it'd be in my top five. Not just because the winners are awesome, but... I think you need a listing now. I think you need to know your top five. My top five in some order are Australia 2, 3, 5, 12. I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> the, top, the top six are going to be Australia 2, 3, 5, 7, 12, 17, and 29. Yeah. In some order. I don't know. I'd have to look back now. Maybe this is something we should bring up on a, on a future podcast. Where would we rank Amazing Race seasons? What season had the hippies in it? Nine. I like that season. Or according to Scott Six. <laughs> God, that doesn't seem like that long ago, but look at that. It is. But it really is. Jeez. Yeah, it's definitely in the upper pantheon for me. It's been an absolutely fantastic season to cover, not just because the winners are awesome, but because the rest of the cast is awesome as well. Mm. In casting 22 Strangers, with a couple of exceptions, they managed to avoid boring as all hell people. They managed to find really, really interesting people. You know why? Because normally when you apply for things like the, the race, you're going to have two people, one of who is the bubbly person and the other one's usually the quiet person. But they didn't have that this time because they could have, you know... 22 bubbly people they didn't have 22 bubblies but they had pretty close and i i think outside of the casting as well because good casting does not necessarily make a good season hence amazing race canada 3 existing but the fact that we didn't get a single new country this season but it still felt fresh the production decisions were fantastic we had three of the self-driving legs which is the most we have seen basically in 10 seasons, we had the great casting on top of that. Actually creative tasks. We saw the return of a fast-forward, the creative U-turn boards, them not being afraid to switch up with the U-turns and having the unlimited ones and the pre-diesel ones, which I know a lot of people complain about. But it is a great sign of production playing with stuff, seeing what will work. And that's great. And also, in a season like this... It stirs up the drama that they want stirred up. Mm. We wouldn't have have had a moment like Redmond jokingly intimidating Van Can Ashton for the first U-turn and to try and basically stop anyone else trying to U-turn them in the future. We wouldn't have had that moment. We wouldn't have the return of the 20 strategy with Van Can Ashton getting out if it hadn't been a pre-detail U-turn. We wouldn't have had that absolute cluster at the Greek wedding and the thanks broken Scott moment. Mm-hmm. A lot of this season... Annoying as it is to say, for me as someone who hates U-turns, a lot of this season was dictated by those three U-turns. And teams like Brooke and Scott using them to their advantage. Because Scott especially is a dreadfully large social threat in any game like this. If he went to Survivor, he would be such a dangerous player. Yeah, he would be. He'd know what he was doing. Yeah, it's really quite alarming how good he is at the social game. And Scott is living proof of the social game being an important part of the Amazing Race to win. Mm. He definitely knew what he was doing at all times with everything he did. He's He was obviously thinking of past seasons, you know, and, and good strategies and bad strategies, and he had them all down pat. He was ready for this race. It's just amazing to me that this season actually exists, because 
after a deep distrust that I have developed for production actually getting this sort of stuff right, they came back after a nine-month break swinging. Yeah. Above everything else, they came out fighting, which is awesome. That's what I want. If Amazing Race has to play from the back foot, that's what I want to see, because they came out swinging this time. And they put all of their effort into making this a great season and it works and they need to continue that momentum now. They haven't filmed the next one. No, they're literally just going into sort of pre-production for it now. But they were still um, doing auditions last week. Yeah, they started like doing the casting calls and everything, but... No, but they did auditions last year as well. Yeah. This is the longest time they've been doing auditions ever. Well, a lot of those early casting calls were actually sponsored by tourist boards. So, like, Taiwan did one and Fiji did a few. Because it's been, like, six months that they've been casting. Oh, I know. But Bertram and Elise have gone in to pitch um, the theme of season 30 recently, I think. You know, one of their interviews, they said, I don't know whether it was Elise talking about Bertram, that they have a room where they work out the route and everything. Did you see that interview? Um, I've actually seen a photo of when the Australians were doing it. I got a hold of this photo that someone took of the room and this massive whiteboard and they had this route on it and it was amazing. And I just wanted a, a, a better shot. I, re- <laughs> I wanted to find some sort of police officer or FBI who could actually hone in on it so I could read it properly and I couldn't read it. But it looked like the most amazing thing to stand in front of and look at this board. You know as well as I do that Bertram actually personally does the route beforehand. I know. I've heard he, he travels everywhere before it even actually everyone every, get everything gets booked. No Amazing Race location is for, freshly done by the racers. It's all done by Bertram beforehand. He's like late 60s, early 70s. He's a dude. <laughs> this is driving me crazy. Why do I keep talking about this show when I can't be on it? Is that why you start talking about Australian Survivor? Mm, no, I can't physically go on that because it's too long. But you can't, Michelle. You just keep telling yourself no, you can't. I've got, I've got work. I need to feed my children. <laughs> work will understand and you'd be able to feed your children oh, when you dominate God. the social game and win $500,000. Oh, jeez. Jeez. And also, you don't even care about your children. We've previously established yes. that. Yes, you seem to think that, yes. <laughs> you seem to have perpetuated that myth, Michelle. I just run with it. I just think that if you're on a reality show, you do the reality show, and you don't think about family. You're focused. As the great Sandra Diaz Twine has uh, said before, Heroes vs. Villains, my husband goes out to Afghanistan, that's his job. Survivor is my job. <laughs> that's good. I like that. And Matt Doyle also says, in recent seasons, who has set off the fans more? Twinnies, Haley and Blair, the green team, Brooke and Scott, or others? I think Brooke and Scott. I think this has been intense. It's really taken the cake. I think, oh God, Green was up there, but I don't think as much as Brooke. Also, on this subject, like, trolling people on the internet is a bad thing anyway, but actually getting personal details and harassing people that is beyond a joke. Did people get Brooke's number? Yes. How did they get it? Yeah, Brooke has talked about this, the fact that people have actually been harassing her in real life. 
And he's just like, what on earth are you playing at? You low-life scum of the earth. Harassing people because you don't like them on on a TV program. Yeah. Like, that is the lowest of the low. And why don't they have lives? People are insane. I would be so angry if that was me. Or if that was anyone I, I actually was related to or anything. Mm. And we'll finish this season with a more of a comment from, from Dean Eden, who says it's 29 seasons in and somehow these teams still haven't figured out that alliances and helping each other teams isn't going to help you win. I don't know what it's going to take for people to go on tar to realise you need to run the, safe, uh, the race yourself and not worry about who may be stronger or weaker and never, ever, ever help another team stay on the race. To which I will say, this season is testament to that statement being wrong. Because every single Amazing Race winner, and there have been 70 now, has proven that you cannot be an island in a social game like The Amazing Race. Whether you realise it or not, Amazing Race is 100% social. Mm. Because as I said earlier in the podcast, if you don't have good relationships with the teams, when you get into an issue, which you will do, because everyone gets into an issue, no one has a perfect race, and no one has run a perfect race. The closest anyone has come is 1.46. When you have an issue with any task, if you don't have the relationships, no one's going to help you, and you are going to go home. Yes, yes. So yeah, I have nothing more to say on that topic. I'm I'm sick of people devaluing any winner's game, apart from the Voldemort ladies who suck! <laughs> But I'm sick of people devaluing good winners' games. So yeah, I'm not sure if there's anything more to say about this, this season. I'm sure w- that we will be discussing Evator Race 29 again if uh, if we ever get one of the teams on. Hint, Colos. I think it'd be interesting to get two of them at once. What, two people who hate each other? <laughs> no, like two of the guys. Like Joey and Redman. <laughs> Joey or... and Mike. Yeah, Joey and Michael, yeah. That'd be funny. Joey and Mike need to come on for the Amazing Race roast of Logan Saunders. Oh, that will not end well. <laughs> I know, but you it'll be hilarious. You will not even be able to broadcast that. I know, but it'll be hilarious. Oh, God. But on that topic, this is podcast number 199. This is mine and Michelle's 40th appearance together. Really? My hundred and se- yeah. My, your 55th on your own. Wow. My 174th. And... We need ideas for number 200, because number 200 is going to be a special podcast. For number 100, we just did a regular recap episode. It was the the one with uh, Krista getting her fingers trapped in the piano in Poland. And I want ideas for what we can do for podcast number 200. It needs to be something silly, because we don't do sensible off-season podcasts, I'm afraid. And I would also like to say, from the bottom of all our hearts, thank you to everyone who has supported this season, because it has been such a fun one for us to cover i've had an absolute blast over the past 10 weeks from sitting in my hotel room in dublin trying desperately not to text quotes from bios to logan so that i wouldn't spoil the preview for him and some of our jokes from that to the fact that logan has ended up being invited yet again to la to party with the cast got drunk at a barbecue got repeatedly hugged by redmond and got carried by Scott to just the fun interactions that we have had this season with everyone involved. On the page, just the the great rapport everyone has on the page and and so many of the fans love talking to them and they talk back to them and it's really lovely. 
genuinely, I love everyone in this cast apart from Joey. <laughs> and they have all been so much fun to interact with. And it is, it's wonderful to come off the back of maybe not one of our favourite seasons with 28, where it was a little bit uncomfortable with the relationship between some of the races and us, to a season where we genuinely adore all of these people. And they don't think we're too bad. No, it makes our life so much more fun because I have looked forward to doing these podcasts every week. There hasn't been a week where I've not been like, yes, I get to do the podcast. And I can't say that about many other seasons. That's the thing. And Hunted UK has such a big set of shoes to fill. I think they could, they might be able to do it. I think they could do it. (laughs) From what I've seen, it looks ridiculous. And one more point that I will make, because I've just remembered that I do have this list. For all the people who are saying that Brooke complains and gets help at every task, all credit to GameFan09 on Reality Fan Forum for this. But I have a list of every single task that Brooke did not complain about. And it was what? Well, she didn't complain at the starting line task. The leg one detour, sure, I'll give you that, but it was basic frustration at not getting a task right in your first go. She didn't complain the entirety of legs two, three. The detour on leg four, where she was one of the first to discover the box. The entirety of leg five, apart from the fish task. The entirety of leg six, apart from the detour. The entirety of leg seven. Her complaining that leg was not task related at all. It was transportation related. Also, she arrived at the mask roadblock in last and leaped forth single-handedly. Even Scott was shocked. The entirety of leg 8, she was calm through the entire leg and even nailed a tough roadblock and got them to their first top 3 placement. The entirety of leg 9, apart from the detail, the entirety of leg 10, as all her bitching was related to transportation and not the actual tasks. The entirety of leg 11, for obvious reasons, and the entirety of the finale, apart from the (laughs) tyres. So, for the reputation that Brooke has somehow got of whining and getting help at every task, she got help at precisely one task, which was the roadblock in like four yeah please everyone stop moaning can you write that under every post on the two pages that we frequent i can indeed that would be fun so i think we're just about done for this season i think so so thank you for listening all season to our usc number podcasts you can join us at some point soon for more podcasts, as the next one will be number 200. If you got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Halston for me, and Bear3333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333